Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the Kuchina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast on conversational witchcraft. Uh, as you know, we are here with some of my favorite people, some people that have inspired me. Um, and uh, today, super excited because we have the amazing Evo Dominguez Jr. Uh, to be honest, he's... I. I He's the only person I've had on this show that I don't actually have a personal relationship with, um, but I have heard so many amazing things that he and I are going to get along famously, so I'm really excited to uh, learn about his journey. Let me tell you guys a little bit about him. He's been active in the Wicca and Pagan community since 1978. He currently serves as one of the elders of the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel, a Wiccan tradition. Evo has been published in numerous periodicals, is the author of several books, and in his mundane life has been a computer programmer, an executive director of an AIDS HIV service organization, a bookstore owner, and many other things. Uh, some of his works include Keys to Perception, Practical Astrology for Witches and Pagans, Casting Sacred Spirits. Base and spirit speak. I am just so excited to get to know you and find out what brought you here and how you got where you are in your journey. Uh, Evo, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're recording this bright and early on a Wednesday morning, so uh, we're having we're pretty much doing coffee talk, which is kind of my favorite. Co coffee, coffee is good. Coffee is. I, I, I was thinking before. Before we logged in, I was like, oh, Evo's going to hang out with me while I have my love affair with my morning cup of coffee. Great. <laughs> Great. Hail goddess Caffeina. And everybody's happier if I've had my coffee as well. <laughs> I, I'm kind of a coffee snob. Um, uh, Justin and I had gone to uh, Portland, Oregon, and we did a coffee tour, and we learned all about, um, you know, fancy coffee and third wave coffee, and, and like Dunkin' Donuts won't do it for me now. Like, I can't. No. We serve a lot of coffee in our household. Now, there's the supply that's for me. Right. <laughs> yeah, my, my other half is, is not uh, a coffee drinker. No. Uh, but uh, we also have, when it's not COVID land, uh, every weekend, a ton of people through our house. Uh, there's uh, several covens based on the land we live on. And we do workshops and rituals and social gatherings and whatnot. And as you might imagine, that's a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. And the good stuff's expensive. Yeah. And so it should be. It should be, right? Yeah. But I serve a lot of coffee and people go, oh, your coffee is so delicious. What is it? And then I horrify them because I pull out the giant can of Folgers or whatever it is that I bought for cheap. No. But they... Yes, but they always say, why good? Every, before every big event, when I start the several urns, I take the can and I pop the lid and I hold my hand over it. And I imagine um, coffee beans growing on the mountainside. And I imagine Ethiopia or, or Hawaii or whichever place I'm. And I infuse my memory of the most delicious coffee I've ever had into that can. And then I make the coffee and it tastes better for them. That is some serious kitchen witchery right there. It, uh, it, it, it actually works. I, I, I believe it. I mean, to be fair, I have never, I mean, I'm, I'm a kitchen witch and that's what I do. I do the visualization and, and I do the meditation right. and I, you know, I do that kind of work over my food. I've never done it over coffee, but that if you can make Folgers taste like Kona, that's, I, you are one hell of a powerful witch, my friend. 
it won't taste like Kona, but they, but everybody is shocked that they're being served the cheap coffee because wow. I mean, uh, actually we noticed that, uh, during, uh, during COVID, you know, like, wow, you know, we are spending $300 less a month because we're not having people over. Oh, wow. I mean, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, we have a constant flow of people. I believe it. How wonderful is it that you have this space in this land that you are able to share with community in that way? I mean, I feel like that's a dream for so many people. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, since COVID, right? I mean, I, I travel a lot for work and I don't have people as often. As, I mean, we have, a, we have a pretty big space in our yard and I do a very large Samhain uh, mm -hmm. dinner and ritual every year. Obviously not in a year of COVID. Um, yeah. But those big celebrations are, you know, for me, I, and, and you had mentioned it in your notes that that this is such a, an important part of your practice, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is gathering mm -hmm. people and not just gathering people, but gathering people around big meals and food. Um, so what do you find is different in terms of your spiritual practice when it comes to cooking for a big group? versus cooking just for yourself and and your partner you know uh i will i only cook for others truthfully wow uh if it, it's uh if, if jim is away on doing a consulting gig or or something i barely eat or i eat leftovers until they run out and then i eat peanut butter and jelly and, and <laughs> wow but but if, if he's around or if we have events happening, you know, I start thinking about, well, what am I going to do and, and how am I going to prepare this and uh, what things can I pull out of the garden because we have a big garden. Uh, so for me, it's always about other folks because as much as I love food, uh, I, I, you know, it's when I'm doing it for someone else that I actually I start thinking about, okay, and I keep like this running list of my head of, of food preferences for the people I know and allergies for the people yeah. I know. And people joke, uh, we, we have uh, uh, sweat lodges and a, and a bunch of other things. And sometimes the focus I'm going, it's got to be tasty and wonderful, but it has to be recuperative. It has to be healing. Yeah, food. absolutely. So for the uh, autumn equinox, a uh, couple of the covens that uh, use our space, uh, tend to revolve around doing a feast and doing divination for each other. And that's, you know, sometimes they do a formal ritual, but a lot of times it becomes a feast and divination for the coming year. And then I start thinking about, okay, uh, what can I sneak into the food that opens up the psychic senses, but still food? Or how can I make it comfortable so that people can uh, eat and talk and, and, and uh, break off into little groups and pull out their tarot cards or, or whatever? So I, I tend to think about all the ways in which the food can facilitate. And honestly, uh, I would say that um, it's... I get in trouble with some people because I also am a vegetarian and mostly vegan most of the time, but I will cook meat for other people, right. which puts me in a bad place because, you know, some people that are very hardcore are, are angry at me for cooking the meat for them. Mm -hmm. And then other times uh, I get the reverse thing was like, you know, they're eating something and go, there's no meat in the chili. And I said, no, there's no meat in the chili. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so do you find that in terms of, um, because obviously when you're cooking these these giant meals for people um and and that is in itself for me uh, a sacred act right um i i i identify as 
a kitchen witch. So I'm I, my my spiritual identity. I would say is pagan. If like meeting somebody, I'm like, oh yes, I'm pagan, and then trying to you know which yeah. which exact little thing you know to break it down in the easiest way to to explain it is I'm a kitchen witch. So at most of not all of, most of uh, my practice is food, cooking, visualization in the kitchen, staying connected to Mother Earth with food, everything you're talking about. But for me, the, the, the pinnacle of my practice is cooking for other people, is creating these, these containers for people to celebrate or express uh, or, or to join and to gather around food. Mm-hmm. And for you saying that you don't do that for yourself, um, it, does that mean that you're like only practicing? Because you obviously are, are obviously, I mean, out of everyone I've talked to so far, like you're someone who's really practicing these theories of kitchen witchery when you are kind of, as for lack of a better term, in the zone of cooking for people, right? I mean, that's, yeah. and yeah. Isn't, isn't that something that we all grew up with, right? Like, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm an Italian girl and I grew up with big meals, celebrations, food, 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 food. So that the, the, um, the ritual of the preparation for large groups. Right. And so you seem to be practicing that all the time when you're cooking for these people and you're not doing it for yourself. You know, is that because that's not how you identify, that's not part of your spiritual path, or is it only part of your path when it's regarding others? It's complicated because uh, it, depending upon who you talk to, you're going to run into somebody and say, well, yeah, Evo does these really complicated, vert, almost ceremonial magic things, or Evo does, you know, astrological magic, or Evo yeah. does blah, blah, blah. And and I do. And, and, and I'm not saying that... Uh, it isn't part of what I do all the time, but I, I don't necessarily keep the same divisions. Like, for example, I was giving a class recently, and one of the things I mentioned is I have an herb garden in my head. In your head, you know how people have memory. Yeah. You know how people have memory uh, palaces and rooms yes. to you know me- memory yes. methods to keep track of how yes. things are. And I, I, I grow herbs. I, ha- I I use them also medicinally. And what I find is that if I'm somewhere and uh i don't have herbs with me usually don't somebody like a, somebody had a encounter with poison ivy at an event i was at and i didn't have any of my stuff with me i was i had flown in to teach at the event so i said look i'm gonna so i walk into my garden in my head i pluck some of the herbs i need i can smell them in my mind because you can carry uh, the memory of the food or the herbs with you and if you've made a real relationship with those things then they're always with you. Somebody uh, feeds me something because I travel a lot and teach a lot normally that, that is dreadful, which happens a lot, especially if they're trying to figure out how to feed a vegetarian. And yeah, they, it's hard. Never, it's hard and, or, or they've never understood that spices matter. Or <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Right. right. It's like, here's some, here's a plain potato. You're a vegetarian. We have no idea what else to give you. Here's a plain potato and a salad. And you're like, thanks. I have a gluten allergy. And I'm like allergic to tons of food. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not like I eat meat because it's one of the things that I can eat. Um, right. Right. So um, I, I but people don't know how to cook for me either. They're like, they're like, first of all, we don't want to cook for you because you're the kitchen witch and we're intimidated by you. And I'm like, please, sure. for the love of God, just make me some gluten free macaroni and cheese out of a box. I'm happy. Um, but right. but they don't know what to give you. Right. When you have limitations, they have no idea. So, so I end up eating the food and then 
on my tongue and in my mind, I transform it with a memory of what better food tastes like. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. No, so so I I bring my my spices with me. That's really, really interesting. Um, And and again, that's part of, you're 100% right. You know, you're really sparking so much um, in in me to think of different ways to do what I do. um, Because Mm -hmm. I don't have a, a memory map of a garden or, you know, like, a, I think for me, a beautiful, um, visualization for that would be like a well-stocked fridge where you would open it up in your mind and see, these are all the things that I could have, or, 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 you know, could be making, being able to channel the energy of the food. And again, I don't mm-hmm. think people who don't practice anything that has to do with kitchen witchery, I don't think yep. that they realize you can do this with food where people can channel spirit, people can channel angels, people can channel fairies, goddesses, de- deities, but they don't think about it in terms of food or herbs. So really, how did you discover that that was something you wanted to do or could do? Uh, energy's energy. I mean, part of it was just th- thinking about things. And it's like, well, how is it any different if it's a pattern of energy? I think it actually started, the first time I thought of trying that was, I was having a conversation with uh, Flo, uh, my, my husband's uh, sister, who's big in the new age community, and that's like her thing. And she uses homeopathic remedies a lot. They basically have nothing in them. Yep. I mean, you basically dilute it down to the point where there's nothing left. Yes. So I said, well, it it seems to work for her and it seems to work for people that she's working with. And I go, well, that means that the only thing that's left in that is the imprint of the energy of whatever that herb or whatever that mineral was. Yeah. I mean, you know, you raise a really good point. What comes to mind is the flower essences, you know, I mean, you could be making tinctures with flowers, but oftentimes, like you said, they're essences. There's right. you're literally bottling the essence or the energy mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. flora or that fauna, you know, or you know right. whatever it is that you're you're mm-hmm. doing there. And it's, you know, again, you put it in these terms, and it makes perfect sense. Um, and that's very it's very interesting for me, Evo. Thank you because. This is a part of what I already practice that I never would have thought about before. So I'm I'm really inspired by by this. Um, you know, part of the work that I do is um, understanding the the energetic properties of foods, and I talk a lot mm-hmm. about it in my work, in my teaching, in my books. You know, um, even even my olive oils that I make, they they have you know, okay, this is the you know, this is garlic, and this is for protection because garlic is a protective energy food for you know, warding off you know, whatever, um, and that's the work that I do in the first place. I I would not have thought to to be able to. Oh, it's interesting to carry it with me the way you're suggesting. Mm-hmm. You know, that that you're putting the energy into the food when it's in front of you or you are um, like what I like to say is like waking it up, waking mm-hmm, up the energy mm-hmm. when you are aware that garlic is for protection. Then you're like, oh, right. Garlic is for protection. Now I can do the the visualization. I can do the meditation. I can work with this ingredient and understand what it's for. I would not have thought to take it with me and be able to imbue it into other things. Um when I don't actually have a bulb of garlic with me. So 
uh, I feel like <laughs> you've blown my mind a little bit here. Um, and um, I'm excited to now, uh, you know, explore that a little bit. Um, because, yeah, I mean, most of your work is psychic and astrology and stuff like that. So does any of that bleed into when you are gathering people for your, for, for big celebration? Sure it does. Um, so I was born in Cuba and came over when I was a little kid and we lived in Florida for a good chunk of my childhood. And we had huge, huge family gatherings. We often had uh, I, I never knew how many people were going to be around the table Sunday, you know, whether it was breakfast or dinner. And so so that was part of the culture as well, though. I will say that uh, I learned how to cook by observing, though I was not allowed. To cook. Why were you not allowed to cook? Were you too little or was because, it because you were a boy? No, because I was a boy. Mm. <laughs> and uh, you know what? It, I didn't actually get to cook on my own until I, you know, moved out and had my own place, but I was always paying attention, but they were like, Oh no, 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 no. You can help clean up or whatever. But you know, so it was just women's space in the kitchen and sure. kind of like really guys. Sure. Yeah. But that's I so traditional, isn't it? Like, I mean, again, like yeah, as an is. Italian, all the women were in the kitchen and all the little girls were expected to be in the kitchen. Well, all the little boys and the dads and the right. uncles got to like sit around and play games and you know, they weren't, they just waited. They just, they just waited yeah. until the no, no, women served. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the men, the men in the family, and most of these memories of those gatherings were outside uh, playing dominoes, smoking, wow, and drinking their and, and drinking their coffee. Mm, Cuban coffee. I've never had Cuban coffee. Is it amazing? It really, really is amazing, and uh, I love it that if you actually are in Miami or in Ybor City or places that have a proper. Cuban population, a lot of the restaurants will have warning signs saying, if you are not used to our coffee, be careful. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I could, because it's, right, it's a teeniest little, like it's like a thimble full and knock your socks off. So strong. So strong. I think the only thing, the only thing that's stronger, uh, my other half was in the Peace Corps in Ethiopia. And they have kick-ass coffee, as yeah. you know. Yeah. But they also have a coffee ceremony. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's very different. It's not orderly and, and sedate like the uh, uh, tea ceremony, but it involves tiny little demi-tasses of ridiculously strong coffee. They salt the coffee. They don't sugar it because it's so strong. Okay, that's something. That's something. All right. But, but basically, you have, uh, you, you, you have seven rounds of these little uh, demi-tasses of incredibly strong coffee. And when somebody new comes... Moves into your neighborhood or the village, and, and you know, I said, you know, I, I know exactly what's happening, because by the end of the cup, you are jabbering your head off, and you've told your entire life story to everybody. So it was a, I think it was designed as an icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like the opposite of getting someone drunk, but the effects are the same. You know, you you really just. Like, this is who's maybe inside of you when right. without the cough. Like, I know for myself, um, the more caffeinated I become, the more myself I feel because I feel like those barriers are gone. And I think that that I, I, I was interviewing um, Matt Oren uh, yesterday mm -hmm. and we, you know, I, I, I said flat out, like, I don't really do psychic work. I'm, I'm, that's not what I study. Um, and so we, we are having a lot of those conversations. And one of the things that I was thinking about was that, you know, when I'm caffeinated, I feel like I, I'm able to connect uh, more 
uh, mm-hmm. on that sort of other plane. Um, but again, that's not my area of expertise. So I leave that to you guys, the professionals, <laughs> when it comes to psychic psychic work. Uh, you know, I can cook a mean lasagna, but I, I can't do psychic reading. So we'll just, we leave the professionals. We leave that to the professionals. Um, wow, how cool, a coffee ceremony. And now, did you yeah. get to experience that or was that just, uh, he just explained it to you? He explained it to me. I mean, I've tasted, uh, he's uh, made coffee the way that he used to make it when he was in the Peace Corps yeah. at living out in a little village. So I, I know what that strong coffee tastes like with a bit of pinch of salt in it. So I have a sense of a nice, uh, you know, I have a pretty big tolerance, but after seven of those. I can't even, I can't even imagine. Uh, I, I said earlier, we, we went to, Justin and I went to uh, Portland and did a coffee tour. And mm-hmm. uh, it was absolutely amazing. It was like a walking downtown Portland tour of all the coffee shops and all the different coffee shops. And by the end of it, I I couldn't see straight. Like I, my eyes were like super wide. And we went to this, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever been to Portland, Oregon. There's this giant, have, yeah. the Powell's City of Books, which is like oh yeah, <laughs> the best place on earth. Right? It's like a, it is. For, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Powell's City of Books is literally uh, a city block, a full city block and like four stories tall. And it's just a bookstore. Um, and I went in there like ridiculously high on coffee. Like I couldn't close my eyes. Like I, I, I couldn't, I kept trying to blink and I couldn't blink. And I was just looking around like this. And my husband, he like, we're like, okay, I'm going to go look at this section. You go look at that section. He finds me. I'm like wandering aimlessly around the cookbooks. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I can't close my eyes. Like, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like with all of that Cuban coffee or all of that Ethiopian. Co- and, and I love caffeine. Um, but I try to limit myself to, to sure. one a day, one if I, 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 I do a, I do a really evil thing around caffeine, and that is uh, evil for the people around me. <laughs> so uh, every year I do one week where I do zero caffeine just to hit the reset button on my tolerance. That's actually a really good idea. It, it, it's not a bad thing. It's a miserable first couple of days, but honestly, <laughs> I then I then have the capacity to enjoy the lift that I get from caffeine again, and I don't necessarily need more and more and more to get the same effect. We, uh, I mean, I can't believe we're having this whole conversation. Like I have Evo Dominguez and I'm talking about coffee, but I mean, right. but I mean, this is the great and amazing Evo Dominguez and we're having a coffee conversation, but whatever. Um, we, we constantly get new coffee. So, mm-hmm. um, I have a, uh, my cousin got me a, a, a subscription to a coffee club, for Christmas, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I get new coffee right. from all over the world every month and they all have different caffeine levels. So I never mm-hmm. get used to, I think most people buy the same coffee over and over and over again. And we always have like one standard in the house, but then we have, I have urns of coffee. Like you can't see them. They're just right. out of frame here. Um, so I never really get too used to one level of caffeine. So I always kind of have that you know, that boost because they're like one week where I'm drinking dark roast and one week where I'm, you know, drinking mm-hmm. medium roast. And so I'm that, that, that level right. changes, but let's get back to the awesomeness of you. Yeah. 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 Um, because you're incredible. Well, I don't know about that, but I was going to say that one of the things that, uh, that, uh, people, uh, forget is that, uh, you probably grew up with some kind of blessing over the food or something of that nature, right? Yeah, of course. 
and and it's something that uh, a lot of pagans not I mean I know people do differently but a lot of pagans forget that just because it may be attached to some old memories of your previous uh, religious background doesn't mean you can't turn uh, the meal into something special by clasping hands around the table uh, or and having a variety of things instead of uh, a, a I, we had we've had rituals where uh, post ritual there's as much of a ritual at the table because uh, people will hold hands to bless the food and will will ohm at the food energize the food uh, we've had people uh, sing uh, to the sing for, to us before we began to eat. So there's there are ways to create the energetic bond around the table as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And the idea of giving thanks for your food is not uh, exclusively what you would think of as you know. Again, as someone who's a recovering Catholic, um, it's. <laughs> Right. It's, right. It's, I like to use that term because you'll always be in recovery from the guilt oh, of yeah, that. Sure. Um, so, but it is something that uh, it's not an exclusively Christian idea to give thanks and have gratitude. And I think as as witches mm-hmm. and pagans, you know, we tend to be more aware. We are more aware of where our food comes from. And, you know, it's not just... And this is something that I, I think is really important to note when it comes to the blessings and the being grateful of, of our food, is it's not just about, um, I'm grateful to the earth for this tomato, right? It's right. about who picked that tomato, who washed that tomato, who put the tomato on the shelf for you to purchase, who rung you up for that tomato to exchange the money so you could take that tomato home and put it in your salad. Mm -hmm. There's such a chain of other human beings and energy in that, especially the way that we consume food in America. Um, Most of the time and most people are doing 80 to 90% of their shopping at a traditional grocery store. Some of us are lucky enough, like myself, I live in in the Northeast and I have farms Mm -hmm. all over and I can go to the local farm and say, okay, look, there's the cows across the street. So like if I'm going to eat meat, if I'm going to eat red meat specifically, I only buy it from the local farm because I can see the cows. Mm -hmm. They're on one side of the street and then I can buy the meat on the other side of the street. So I see how those animals are treated. I know they're they're very loved um, and that's important to me. So all of those steps in between... It's very important that I, for especially my practice, to take, as you're saying, that time to bless the food and, and the gratitude of blessing the food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, is that something that, uh, is it something that we do on a regular basis? Is it something we do on a Tuesday night when we're rushing home from work and we're just, like you said, having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Probably right. not. Probably mm-hmm. not. And I think mm-hmm. that... Kitchen witchery is something that's so easy to incorporate, right, into every day. Don't you agree? And perhaps if people viewed it as a different way of being mindful of our connection to things, because a lot of times uh, I encounter folks uh, downplaying the value of <clears throat> kitchen witchery or uh, having a reaction of something someone identifies as a kitchen witch as a, oh, I guess they're not serious about this. Right? I mean, I don't want to say that I've had that happen, um, but I would I would but... say that's true. I would say that's true. And, and you know, in, in my work, um, so much of what fuels me is trying to 
kind of close the gap between the pagan community mm-hmm. and the non-pagan community and being able to mm-hmm. use kitchen witchery and food magic to do that and say, okay, yeah, I wrote a book on kitchen witchery, but it's accessible to non-pagans. You know, they'll get it. Right. Um, and the fact that I make this magically, literally magically infused olive oil and I sell it at Whole Foods and so Susie Soccer Mom mm-hmm. can buy it. Um, and and she's taking in all of that wonderful energy, mm-hmm. but it also can mm-hmm. be used magically. Um, I, I definitely feel that people can think, oh yeah, maybe that's not, maybe there's not as much validity to that, but kitchen witchery is really just like the old, one of the oldest traditions, right? I mean, people have been eating mm-hmm. since people have been on this planet before religion. Yes. Right? Um, Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that. That actually <laughs> makes me feel really, uh, fills up my heart a little bit. So thank you for that. People also think throw around terms like low magic and high magic and <clears throat> imply all sorts of bizarre things around them. And I'm going to say we also have to insert middle magic, which is the stuff that we do that's in the physical world and involves our hands and minds and, and bodies, right? But I don't know uh, if of anybody who uh, doesn't use all three if they're effective. How do you mean? Well, a lot of times when people talk about low magic, they're talking about using the correspondences or energies associated with plants or minerals or whatnots to cause particular effects or, or cause... Uh, and they tend to be magics to cause something to happen. A lot of times people think of high magic as working on self-improvement or enlightenment or perhaps working with higher order beings. So that if you're actually doing your job well as a, whatever you identify as, you know, witch, magician, sorcerer, spiritual person, shaman, whatever you call yourself, then you are probably doing all, all of those things if you're actually making a difference in your life and the life of others. I, I I love that, and you are right. We are we are human beings living on this planet, right? So we do need to, just like we need to be living all the time above, below, within. You know, yeah. it, it, to like you said, to have a, a f- what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like a well-rounded a spiritual experience. You can't, in my opinion, my humble opinion, be like. Mm. All, well, you don't do high magic, or I only do high magic. You know, I'm only doing psychic work. I'm mm. only doing this because then you're not dealing with those parts of you that need to be fully explored, fully realized as a magician or as a person. Like for me, everything comes down to that, like you said, that personal development. Um, it's so important that we are true and real with ourselves so that we can do true and real spiritual energetic work. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And on the one hand, it's valuable to identify, oh, these are my areas of strength or my areas of expertise. But, you know, it almost becomes a crutch or a limiting factor when we become the title or the role or the job description as opposed to being whole. And that means access to all the things we do, including the things that we're not experts at, but we like to do. Are there any of those things that you don't consider yourself an expert at, but you love? I actually don't think of myself as an expert at anything. I'm just a really good generalist. You're, you're, (laughs) I'm enjoying this conversation so much and I can't imagine you being a generalist. I think that you have so much knowledge. Because in any field that I have delved into deeply, 
I can point at people and say they know more about that. I think that really speaks to your character, right? Like to be able to say, I'm not yeah. the best at something. I'm always evolving. I'm over always learning. I think that really speaks to your character as a person and as, as a pagan, to be honest. I mean, if I'm going to claim something that I feel like I'm pretty good at, and uh, I would say I have a good command of, I am pretty damn good at explaining things to people, figuring out how to make something make sense. <laughs> oh, that's why you're such a good teacher. That's why you're such a good teacher. And, and part of that is because uh, my, 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 uh, my dad was a professor. Really? Yeah, yeah. By the way, zero connection to my family of origin because I'm queer, which means life ended. Yeah, but, I get that. But, you know, dad was a professor. Mom went to college and finished her degree, even though it was unusual. But, you know, because it was it was planned, of course, that she was going to marry and, and have kids and do the thing. Right. Sure. sure. But uh, and my my aunt went, went to college. I mean, I had a, a lot of my of well-educated either formally or informally people in my life. And a lot of people that were readers, uh, my grandma, uh, you know, my mater my paternal grandmom was a huge reader. All her kids were named after whatever she was reading at the time. I mean, I ended up being named Evo after my dad because she was reading a place by Evo Andrish when she was pregnant with, with my dad. So it was kind of like, you know, I have an uncle Radamanthus. I wish I had gotten that name. That's she a was great name. <laughs> Greek mythology phase, one of the judges of the dead. I would have loved that name. Wow. That's great. <laughs> but but I was surrounded by people that were were talkers and well read, whether or not formally educated. So I picked up a lot of, of uh, tips and tricks just listening and paying attention on how to explain things that you know. Sure. You and, learned communication skills and how yeah. to express that to other people simply by uh, absorbing the the type of uh, communication that was happening within the home. We also had a weird thing in that, uh, you know, the Cuban revolution was nasty and messy and uh, broke a lot of things. And for the longest time, we thought we were going to go back. And of course, we never did. And finally, my parents decided, yep, I guess we're st staying here. We've got to become citizens. But they were so hell bent on fitting in because my dad had and mom had thick accents. Which, by the way, when I was a child, they never spoke a word of English in front of me or my sister. Yep. Because then it imprinted on their accent. So we picked up from television and kids. Yep. But like when we moved from the enclave of, of, of Cubanness in Ybor City in, in Tampa up to Tallahassee, because dad got a job at, uh, at FSU, I remember sitting down and they made us, mom and dad made us watch Hee Haw. <laughs> as, no, in a bunch Like this of is other, American television. And, and, and the Grand Old Opry and a bunch of things because Tallahassee at the time was basically uh, Crackerville. It For was lack of a better term, regular. Crackerville. I love it. <laughs> so uh, they immediately started prepping us with the culture. I mean, can, yeah. Can you call that culture? <laughs> we can call it culture, yes. Yeah. yeah. Cracker yes, culture? We can call it culture. The the culture of cracker. I think that's really interesting to hear. Um, my, my grandmother, um, she came over from Italy when she was about seven. Um, and similarly, uh, her parents were like, you're American. 
we don't you don't speak English. I mean, you don't you don't speak Italian in the house. Italian, you don't right. speak Italian anywhere. You speak English, but the grandparents never learned English. So the grandparents right. would speak Italian to each other and the kids would speak English. And then the language, it, unfortunately, it just died uh, within the family. Um, no one no one speaks Italian in my family on, on either side, um, which is kind of sad, I think, because I think yeah. that would, for, for me, that would be wonderful, especially because the culture, just like with you, the culture of where your family comes from, um, mm-hmm for me is so wrapped up in my spiritual practice, right? Uh, the food and Italian people, I mean, that's just, they're one yes. and the same. You can't think of an Italian person without going, ooh, meatballs. Um, so, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm a little sad. And like, as an adult, um, I, I really wish that we had had that. Um, but it's interesting to hear you talk about how you learned to, how we become right? How we become mm-hmm. who we are on the paths that we find. I never say that we choose these paths. I feel like we find them and go, oh yeah, this is what I've been looking for forever. So, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is what non-pagan, non-Wiccan influences did you find along your path that brought you down it or or that made you go, oh yeah, that's that's how I feel or that's that's what I want to do or something like that, that, you know, maybe it was a movie you saw as a child or a song or something that you went, oh, yeah, that's kind of brought you back down that to the path that you are find yourself on now. Well, I mean, quite a few influences, though. I, I will say I was always a huge science fiction and fantasy fan. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot of overlap in communities there. I think so, too. But uh, and it was also one of my escape routes. Uh, it, you know, you, you could fall into that book, and no matter what was going on into the world, in the world around you, you were in that world instead. But also, uh, I went. To, I was going to science fiction, fantasy, and Star Trek conventions when I was a young pup. I love that so much. I am a giant dork. Giant dork. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. And it, and actually, it was uh, one of my uh, ways of uh, making sure that high school didn't suck. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So. Freshman year in, in high school, I looked around and went, oh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. I hate everyone. <laughs> but you see, I, I've always been a planner and, and an organization person and whatnot. So I, I figured out which of the teachers was also a big geek. Ah, good plan. And I went to Mr. Darby and said, hey, Mr. Darby, like to be the sponsor for a, a, a science fiction and fantasy book said, sure, which meant that sophomore year, I had a whole peer group of people that were coming to the science fiction fantasy club uh, after so fun. class, right? So that, that created an instant support group. And it also yeah. meant that, uh, Mr. Dowdy, would you be the, the chaperone so that we could take a, 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 a weekend field trip to the, to the science fiction convention happening two towns over? Sure. That's so, awesome. So, so anyway, so it, it was a way of creating uh, a community that was people that felt the same as I did about things and were a little bit more flexible about a lot of things. And I, I will say that I, I am a pl- plotter and planner and try to make my life safe in weird ways. So um, I also got involved in the school paper and I also got 
book more with the school paper than the yearbook i was actually ended up managing editor of the school paper which also prevented the number of times that i got shoved into lockers or uh, or a head in the toilet because i came up with this thing that you tell the big ugly uh, athlete that wants to rough you up that if they ever do that again they're never going to receive proper coverage in the newspaper and they're never going to have a good picture in the yearbook i can guarantee that to you <laughs> that's fantastic but it, it works it, yeah that absolutely works. and it sounds like what you learned early on was to create your own space and that is transformative magic i think creating and that is magic absolutely you know using using your will to create a space mm -hmm. where you have like-minded people around you, as you said, creating a safe space for yourself, mm -hmm. um, and that's mm -hmm. that's magic. I mean, I don't I don't think that there are many young teenagers. That is magic. That yeah, I don't think there's many young teenagers that would know to do that. You know, to figure that out. So again, I think that goes right back to. Uh, you being who you you've always been this person who brings people together and and um mm -hmm. you know the gathering uh bringing bringing knowledge and and togetherness yeah i mean i, I still have uh rediscovered through social media uh, friends that uh are facebook friends or instagram friends that uh we that i met during uh, that time period with that club wow. or with the paper or whatever and though our lives have taken us in very different directions uh, they recall that was also a space that was warm and welcoming. And I think that, I mean, magical community is also not just about meals and, and rituals, but it's also about creating space where people can let down their guard and actually share who they are and, and feel that it's safe to do so. Absolutely. I love that. We're going to take a super quick break so that we can hear from our amazing sponsors. Um, and we will be right back. Guys, I have just got to tell you about the Robin's Nest. If you're unfamiliar with the Robin's Nest, let me tell you a little bit about one of my favorite shops. This is a full-service premier metaphysical shop here in New England. They offer everything from gifts to custom-made crafted potions and wares, magical and ritual items, divination materials, candles, crystals... Uh, spiritually designed clothing, uh, ritual wear, books, incense, tarot, oracle decks, and most of all, more importantly, they offer friendship, creativity, and community. Uh, this shop is owned by one of my favorite people in the world, Robbie Packard, um, and she is a high priestess. She is a th helping foster a thriving pagan community with kindness and compassion. She is just the most amazing person, and her shop and everything in it reflects her love of community and craft. You will not find a more welcoming space to learn, to grow in your spiritual practice. Everything the Robin's Nest does is within intention of love and bringing community together. Although the shop is located in Bellingham, Massachusetts, you can find them online at therobinsnestma.com. That's therobinsnestma.com. Dot com. They're offering tons of online rituals, uh, workshops, classes, tons of stuff to get you involved, to broaden your mind and help you on your spiritual journey. Uh, check them out, therobinsnestma.com. 
you will not be sorry that you did. Hey guys, are you loving this podcast, learning all about witchcraft, spirituality, and paganism? Check out my friends over at That Witch Life Podcast. Such a fun podcast. I've been on it myself. Great, great people over there. Tons of information. Uh, Really a lighthearted look at what it means to be a modern witch in the Pacific Northwest specifically. That Witch Life podcast is hosted by three lifelong best friends. Talking Living as a Witch in Today's World, hosted by witchcraft author Courtney Weber, who you'll know because she's amazing and she's been a guest on this show. Uh, Kanani Soleil, who is, uh, they also call her the soccer mom Morticia. Um, And of course, the magical performance artist, Hilary Whitmore. Each week, they interview experts from the witchcraft community worldwide and explore real spells, spooky pop culture, and hilarious magical mishaps. Honestly, if you listen to the three of them chat before they interview their guest on every episode, you will be peeing in your pants. It is a hilarious good time filled with magic and practical application uh, of, of living as a witch today. You're going to love it. You can check out some episodes right now. They've got a uh, recent guests have been uh, Rachel True from The Craft, Helen Garcia, who you might know from The Great British Baking Show, one of my favorites, and of, co- of course, the fabulous uh, Miss Stormy Daniels talking all about her uh, paranormal um, investigations, which is so cool. Learned so much about Miss Stormy Daniels in that episode. Check them out, thatwitchlife.com. That Witch Life Podcast. They have new episodes every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. We are back with the amazing, amazing Evo Dominguez Jr. Uh, This has like been one of my favorite conversations ever. Um, I'm just, I'm like elated. I feel like I could, honestly, I want to hug you so bad. I just... (laughs) fucking COVID. I want to come where you are and hug you. I miss, I miss hugs. I miss hugs. I miss, and I have, I have a wonderful, uh, very bear like man in my home and I hug him so hard all the time. So, uh, but I do miss, I do, I miss hugging strangers. Like you're a stranger. Well, you were an hour ago. Now you're a friend. Um, okay. So let's talk about your amazing forthcoming book, which actually I'm really excited about. Uh, it's called The Four Elements of the Wise, Working with the yeah. Magical Powers of Earth, Air, Water, and Fire. And this is going to be available at the end of May. So I'm not sure when yeah. this episode is going to air. It might be the beginning of May. You're, it might be June. But right around the airing of this, this book is going to be available. So tell us all about it. So all my books are actually one book. <laughs> No, ser- seriously, uh, <laughs> all my books are an attempt to write down uh, what I know and how I work and how I view the world. So in my head, there's a connecting thread so that each, like, they're like uber chapters of one large book. Okay. You can, they're okay. all standalones, but, uh, but they've also been foisted upon me by friends. <laughs> so your friends are like, you need to write this book. No, so, so here's the deal. I love to talk. I hate writing. <laughs> I get that. I, I, do. I get that. I get that. I, I, I do. I do. I, I can make myself write and I do it. Yeah. But uh, so that so that I actually did a whole series of in-person workshops about the four elements. 
over the course of like you know two three years and actually uh i did one up near you uh, over at uh, temple of witchcraft a weekend workshop uh, that i did for them on, on the elements mm -hmm. and everybody at the end of the workshops were like you should really write a book about this you should really write a mm -hmm. book about this by the way same thing with the with the uh, keys to perception or the astrology book or it was they were they yeah. were all i want you to write about the things that you teach in your classes yep yep that's that's what happened with my book <clears throat> i was like teaching about aphrodisiac right. foods and people were like there's so much information here you need to put this in a book because i need to take it yes. home with me and i was like oh okay yes. like sure the demand is there you know it, the demand is there and uh even though most people think well that should be a really organic process you've already taught a class about it no, no. because now you have to no not at all because you then have to anticipate all the things that uh, are not in the mind of the person in front of you and all the things that they can't just raise their hand and ask a question about etc cetera, etc cetera. but uh the four elements was like i was teaching a lot of classes about it and also i had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about the four elements because I get cranky when things that are viewed as commonplace or fundamental or basic or beginner's work are dissed. Because that's foundational. That's foundational. It, it, and, and without yeah, without that, you can't explore, as we were talking before, you can't explore higher magic. You can't explore, uh, you know, becoming better at something unless you have that good foundation. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I was also having a reaction because people were confusing symbols and objects for the reality of things. Can you, in other can words, you, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. So when I think about fire, or water, earth, or air, some people immediately go to salt, or here's a rock, or um, here's my athame, or here's my chalice. And it's like, yes, yes, yes but those are small representations of something which is vast and universal and huge and full of mystery and uh, to borrow a line from 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 uh, you know my 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 days of being a little catholic boy idolatry bad <clears throat> right. right yeah 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 100% so, 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 so people minimize what's a, a vast mystery because oh i have a chalice i have this crystal so it's they, they confuse that that uh, the small thing that they grasp or hold actually is all there is. So there's also this diminished expectations about what kind of magic or what kind of personal transformation comes from delving deeper. So the book can be read if you're a brand new person, can be read if you've been at the intermediate level, can be read if you've been at this a long time, because it's about reintroducing and reinforcing the mystery of the four elements and spirit, as opposed to just doing the check boxes of these are all the correspondences. Mm -hmm. And and here's a handful of, of quick and practical tips. I do include some practical tips, but it is in the context of this is a deep mystery. What did you find the most challenging about this work? Honestly, uh, the part of it where we start talking about the elements as beings or as consciousnesses, when when oh. people start talking about uh, what's uh, what's intelligence or or what's identity or what's spirituality, I mean, people talk about things like uh, gnomes or sylphs or fire elementals or water elementals, 
And more often than not, those uh, get uh, kind of uh, cartoonified. Well, I, yeah. And I mean, like you're saying, things being minimized, right? Um, those elements being minimized. And then the idea of minimizing those elemental beings. Um, the truth is that just because something is small doesn't mean it's not incredibly powerful. Um, you know, when we think about things, it, what comes to mind when you're talking about that is wind. You know, uh, we don't really think about air. We don't really think about it unless it's mm -hmm. a hurricane. And then it knocks down buildings and rips roofs off. And, uh, you know, so it can be so powerful, but on a daily basis, we don't uh, acknowledge the enormity of that element until it's, you know, until it's doing right. something where you, right. you really need to understand and respect those elements and the, 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 spiritual or the the beings that represent those elements for what they are yes fairies mm -hmm. might be to you you might see them and visualize them as tiny and cute but that doesn't mean that they're not incredibly powerful so I, th I think that's a really good point that's a really good point. yeah and because it's a modern book i also uh remind people that these things are older than humanity, older than the planet. I mean, if you want to think, we, we forget that uh, when we talk about fire, we're talking about every star in the universe. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that we know, but we don't, it's not a conscious thought. Wow. Right. Wow, that so just we blew that my mind. Vast, just vast stuff. Um, also, uh, culture, your your current culture, though it's useful to apply because that's the parameters you have, isn't necessarily real. So, for example, when I'm talking about uh, in, in lots of oldie moldy uh, books, you'll hear words about the elemental monarch, elemental kings. Okay and their name and whatnot, and Paracelsus talks about them. And I said, well, I, I'm not going to call them kings, which carries the same idea, but doesn't have a gender attached to it. Sure. Sure. Right. Because Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we, why are we attaching gender to the elements in the way that we are? Or if you are attaching it, it may be useful in that particular moment, but it's not inherently true. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to. Water's not, you know, you're going to tell them, some people say, yes, fire is the one of the masculine elements. Like, really? Well, I, you know, I guess <laughs> that, uh, I, I, I guess that is up to interpretation in many ways. It right? Is. I mean, for, for me, I would think in working with fire, um, I tend to lean into the masculine side of it because of the sun and the sun god versus, you know, sun versus moon right. being, being right. The lunar being feminine, uh, solar mm -hmm. being masculine. So in yeah. terms of my work, I will definitely gender it, but not in the traditional mm -hmm. way of uh, uh, male, female. It's more like these traits are what my human brain can understand right. as masculine versus feminine energy wise right uh, uh right strength and power of of you know 
needing, for lack of a better term, like if I need courage or I need like the balls to do something that scares the crap out mm -hmm. of me, mm -hmm. I go and I tap into sun energy, fire energy. In terms of kitchen magic, I'm using foods that align with that right. because that's that what I would call masculine energy and kind of tapping into that within myself. And then mm -hmm. if I need to like find compassion or... Um, mm -hmm you know, or, or, or something like that, you know, empathy, uh, a softness allowing vulnerability in a situation, I'm then going to lean towards these other energies, you know, um, water energy for compassion, for example, which I consider to have more sure. of a feminine sure. feeling. So I think that is up to interpretation. Uh, would you agree? It is. And what I, I think what people, um, will take away when they are reading my chapters or, or, or paragraphs around the stuff is that identify that there are many systems to apply a scale to these things. In different traditions, uh, the elements, traditions, the elements are applied differently to which tool corresponds to which element. Um, it, it, there are different keys. Uh, there's also major and minor, and in different cultures, different colors have different emotional or traditional meanings. That doesn't mean that they're less, as long as people remember that it is an overlay that we put to something vast so that we can work with it. Right, through our own lens. We Everybody sees everything through their own lens. Everybody needs the equivalent of concepts or words to break up the vastness of infinity into chunks that we can manage as human beings. And also every person who does any kind of magical work, at least in the West has encountered the idea of naming something is, is a way of interacting with it in a powerful fashion. Yes. All right. All of this is naming. All of this is just naming the world and then having a way of interacting with those forces. So I'm not saying that any of them are work. But to be aware of the fact that um, different people are going to use different symbolism or apply different words or apply different color schemes, if you will, and they all work uh, in the same way that uh, to, to compare it to cooking, um, you can you can look at almost any cuisine and you can like begin to pick out these are four or five uh, flavor profiles that come to mind when when i'm looking at that cuisine and these are, are herbs that are used in particular spices used in a particular way so it's kind of like the thumbprint of it so there's lots of different flavor profiles or thumbprints to this is the way this kind of magic works so i'm not so but as long as we remember um, like, like I'm not one of those people who wants to abolish gender or, or any, or any of those things. Cause I do have friends that's like, we used to be so much better off if the world didn't have the following things. And I go, no, the world would be so much better off if we had all those things and recognize them all as equally yes. valid for the people that they are appropriate for. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, I agree. But, but people forget with the elements or, 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 uh, when I'm talking about uh, the elements, I, I make a point of creating distinctions so that I can keep things in order in my mind and that I can then call upon them magically or energetically in specific ways. But you could use a totally different way of calling them and it still works. The part is that it's an orderly system that you apply to something that is vast so that you can work with it. I am so excited about this book, uh, to be honest. Um, you know, it seems like you've really 
spun a perspective that maybe most people are, are unaware of. You know, for me, a lot of magic work is turning, and I say it all the time, turning the light switch on, being able to yeah. illuminate an understanding of something maybe you didn't understand before. And then once that is on, you can't turn it off. Well, you can't unsee it. Right. So it's very exciting right. to me to to see your perspective on the elements um, and, and turn that light switch on and view them in this way um, as someone who who works with elements through food and works with earth magic mm -hmm. through food. Uh, I think this is going to be it's really exciting, really exciting project, Evo. I'm, I'm so, so happy um, to, to, to get this. I'm going to like go pre-order it right now. Um, and I'm, I'm not just like kissing your butt like I really... I mean it. If I wasn't interested, right. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds interesting. No, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds fantastic. I'm hmm. super excited about it. Okay, so I have one last question that I ask everybody. Okay. So this is the... This is the Kitchen Witchy question, and thank you so much for talking to me about Kitchen Witchery today. Most people, uh, we, I don't really get to really dive into kitchen magic because most people don't really acknowledge the work that they do with it. So here's my question for you. As a kitchen witch, if mm -hmm. there was one meal that you could have me make for you, magically make for you, what mm. would that be and why? So <clears throat> I would like a meal that is post a big transform ritual and the meal is food that helps me settle in. So something to that's actually comforting. Comforting, grounding. energizing. I, I will say that I do have a, a love of uh, all things pasta. So that's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> and uh, I also am one of those people that, you know, what spicy is good too. I'm not afraid of, of, of hot. Well, you're Cuban, either. right? So, uh, I mean. So, you know what? Cuban food doesn't always have the hot stuff going that's on. True. That's true. That's true. It has a lot of a lot of savory flavors and combinations, so I'm a little bit of an outlier there. But I mean, I'm one of those people that they, when I go to the Thai restaurants, I, I say, no, 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 no. Your your scale goes up to five. I'd like it a ten. <laughs> That's very interesting. Okay, so this is my plan. This is my my part of my plan of this is to yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of uh, each of these interviews is that I will be like getting inspired by my guest to create a mm -hmm. recipe that's inspired by them. Um, and, and so, uh, when this airs and the notes of the mm -hmm. show go up, the recipe that you've inspired me to write will be there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm feeling like, cause you're a vegetarian, not vegan, right? So, I'm vegetarian, not vegan. Okay, so I end I, up mostly vegan, but but I don't mind. Mind you, I have I, I raise my own chickens, so I'm not I don't feel guilty about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like you need some sort of a beautiful pasta dish, like in a cream sauce with like I don't know some sort of. Um, I like capers. <laughs> yeah, some capers really, really. Capers. So you do like a lemon artichoke pasta with capers. I love. I would love artichoke. In a cream sauce? Mm. Sounds really good to me. All right. All right. It's not very grounding. That's super energizing because of the lemon. But I could, I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to brainstorm yeah. something wonderful and post the recipe. I mean, I mean, I mean the, 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 dairy, the, the dairy brings me down. I mean, that's because I don't eat that much dairy. So that would definitely ground you. Well, potatoes, sweet potatoes, yeah. things like that are really super grounding. Anything mm. that's a root vegetable. Are, 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 
kind of brings you, can you go back gnocchi. Oh, gnocchi. Yes. Let's. Mm, yeah, yeah. Gnocchi. Okay. So uh, this has been absolutely amazing. I am like completely. I just you're just unreal. I'm 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 so happy that Christopher connected us and that you decided to come and have a conversation with me. Um, we started out as strangers and now I feel like you're a friend and I can't wait to like see you in person somewhere and just hug you and just tell you how great you are. Um, so uh, tell everyone, Evo, where they can find you online. How can they connect with you? Sure. Uh, easiest way to find me is evodominguesjr.com. I mean, it's my name, it's the website, and you can track me down Facebook that way and Instagram that way. Excellent. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, a first shot, waiting for my second, and look yes. forward to a time that we can all go to events and, oh, and yeah, be amazing. meet each other in person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All those notes, all your website and everything, that's going to be listed on our, our notes for the, for the episode. So um, Everybody will be able to find you. If you didn't catch that, it's uh, evodominguezjr.com. Um, he's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. And he's just the most wonderful, nicest, loving, <laughs> like heart throbbing person. Like I just could feel your heart through the computer. So I am just ridiculously grateful. Thank you so much for being here. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time, I leave you with so many blessings and so much gratitude. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.